that talk is about to begin Hey, 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 come on in Welcome to Buckeye Talk and the triumphant return of Market Down Monday. I'm Nathan Baird from Cleveland.com. He's Doug Lamerese. He's Stephen Means. We have a schedule to talk about. I mean, like a week ago, two weeks ago, certainly, this seemed like almost like a far-fetched thing. We'd be sitting here talking about which games Ohio State's going to play, who they're going to play, when they're going to play them. Is this, like, invigorating? Do you, have, do you come out of this weekend with, like, a, a new sense of energy, guys? I would just like to say I am waiting to really have opinions for the fourth schedule. This is the third schedule that we've gotten. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming something's going to happen. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm excited in, unless it changes in three days. No, I'm kidding. I mean, obviously it's not going to change. But it's, it's, I was going through on Twitter the other day like, well, the Penn State game was going to be on this day. Now it's on this day. Now it's on this day. So um, I will say the schedule is actually a little less exciting than it usually is because there's no buys. There's only two crossover games. There's no non-conference. Like it's all across the board. It's like pretty straightforward. So it's a little, there's actually not to downplay the exciting return of market down Monday, but in terms of like the, the weaving in and out and the nooks and crannies of a schedule, there's not as many nooks and crannies. It's like, well, you're playing these teams. Here you go. But that doesn't mean there's not a lot to talk about because there is a lot to talk about. Yeah, well, we can talk football that. again. So that's the yeah. exciting part. But other than that, it's just the irony of who Ohio State plays week one. Well, yeah, the, the, on top of that, it was not a surprise at all who they played. I mean, we knew – we had heard that it was going to be based on the original structure, and that basically meant that the only unknown was whether they were going to play Iowa or Nebraska at home. And then what order they were going to play the games in, that was it. It was, it was a big – you know, it was a big moment to finally have it in, in writing – who they were going to play, but there was no drama to it. Less drama than there ever is with one of these schedule releases. I actually, I finally understand the Big Ten schedule in a way that I, I did not realize was the case before. And if you really understand the Big Ten schedule and just the way you phrased it, because I didn't even think of that, if they were going to stick by any of what they had planned before, they had to whack Iowa off the Ohio State schedule. There was nothing else to do. And I would bet that most of our listeners, well, I was going to say, if I didn't realize it, they probably didn't realize it. But then I'm thinking, well, how often have our listeners been smarter than me in the past? And it's constantly. So maybe I'm going to say this when it's time for me to say it. And everybody listening is going to be like, yeah, I knew that. How did you not know that when you're paid to cover the team? but I realized something that I did not know. And then it makes everything crystal clear and it allows me to complain about people who are complaining, which is one of my very favorite things to do. So this discovery was quite enlightening to me and we will get to it, I'm sure, in short order. Yeah, I think we're gonna get to that pretty soon, but I wanna just first hit on the topic of this schedule overall for Ohio State, taking like a 10,000-foot view of it. Urban Meyer, as the thing was getting slowly trickled out on Saturday, um, at the end of it, basically said this is a really easy schedule. Ohio State has a, a super easy schedule. He called it a Clemson schedule, basically, which is not a compliment, that this is a, a, a kind of schedule that Ohio State should be able to roll through pretty easily without much. I mean, they've got one potentially tough road game at Penn State. They get to play Michigan at home. They get to play 
um, I mean, who else is even all that great on this schedule? It, it's like there's nobody on the schedule other than those two teams that I think has much intimidation factor at all. Um, so I guess just Stephen, your 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 thoughts on how easy this schedule is, and I um, I'm writing something for my column tomorrow about comparing this schedule to Clemson and how I think Urban Meyer has a point that I think Clemson may even have as tougher tougher schedule this year than Ohio State does, and that's something that Buckeye fans probably don't want to hear. I'm not going to go that far as as easy as Clemson's schedule because they're not playing ACC teams, but it's pretty easy. Everything that made the Penn State game difficult, Michael Parsons might not be playing. I know they're trying their best to get him back on the team, but he opted out way in advance, and it might not even be possible right now, along with the fact that there's no whiteout, so they don't have a crowd either. So everything that made the Penn State game hard is off the table now. So other than that, I mean, Ohio State should wipe through this schedule pretty easily. They're the most talented team in the Big Ten by far. I mean, they're not playing ACC teams maybe, but, you know, Clemson has to play at Notre Dame. Notre Dame may be better than Penn State now if Micah Parsons isn't playing. Um, They have – there's other teams on Clemson's schedule that are probably the equivalent or better. They're certainly better than Maryland and Rutgers and maybe even Michigan State this year. We don't know how good some of these – this bottom of the Big Ten East is going to be. I I, I think Urban Meyer has a point, and I actually think you can make an argument that Clemson's schedule is tougher right now. Clemson played Citadel on Saturday. And barely Clemson plays, game. Clemson plays yeah, more games. Play. So yeah, yeah. The Clemson played Citadel, and if Ohio State played its full schedule, it would have played Bowling Green or whatever in, in Week One. Like, I mean, what's your point? What's your point? Yeah, um, they're, they're, they're Urban, not equal. <laughs> don't don't let Urban Meyer drag you. Down. Urban Meyer is like trying to like uh, ratchet up the TV hot takes. Yeah, this is not equal. Because here here's the here's the thing, and I I saw people retweet him saying that I didn't hear him say it because I think there is a a, a vast difference here. He did not say like this is easier than Clemson's no. schedule. He said, I'm saying that no potentially. Did he not say that's a Clemson schedule? Yeah, that's what I said. Right. So here's my point. Show me in the history of Clemson being good. Show me Penn State on Clemson's regular season schedule. Where is Penn State? Where is a top 10 team in their conference that they have to go play on the road? Where is that team? Where is that team? Well, Where it's is Notre Dame team? this year. It's but Notre that, Dame this year. But that's not my point. If you're saying Ohio State's schedule this year is easier than Clemson's schedule this year because Notre Dame's in the ACC this year, then that's a different thing. If you're trying to act like what Ohio State is now facing is the kind of thing that Clemson faces every year when their toughest that's two different things. It is two different things. I think Urban said the, the other. He didn't, yeah. uh, that's what I'm asking. He didn't say Ohio State's 2020 schedule is easier than Clemson's 2020 schedule. He said that's a Clemson schedule. And yeah. we know what a Clemson schedule is. A Clemson schedule is Wake Forest Day times. This is not Wake Forest Day times. And if anybody is like waking up to the realization that Rutgers and Maryland sucks, it's like, that's not analysis. So yes, they're not playing Oregon because they're not playing non-conference games. They, got, they didn't get the two best teams in the West and we'll explain why in a moment. But, but also, were we not, how many times in the past couple of years have we said that the Big Ten East might be the best division in football? So Michigan State's down, right? Michigan State's down. They're not what they were when they were an 11-win Mark D'Antonio program. But Penn State's Penn State. Michigan's still Michigan. We think Indiana might be pretty decent. So I, I'm going to say, show me who's the next best team on Clemson's schedule behind Notre Dame. 
I don't have it up right in front of me at this. I second. do, and it's probably uh, maybe Boston College, but probably who not. would win between Boston College and Indiana? And I know Boston College. Who'd they beat? Who'd they beat? They won the at day? Duke. They beat yeah. Duke. Well, ho ho. Was Zion playing for Duke? All I saw in my whole timeline was like, well, Jeff Halfley is a defensive genius. Duke couldn't move the ball on Boston College. That's Jeff Halfley doing Jeff Halfley things. Let me tell you, if just to reinforce, just to reinforce a foundational principle of Buckeye talk, the ACC sucks. So if we're going to play, that's a Clemson schedule. Show me a team. Show me, is Clemson's sec uh, this year even, even putting Notre Dame, you have to put fake ACC Notre Dame on Clemson's schedule to give it any hope of being competitive. The second best team, okay, so the second toughest team on their schedule is Boston College. Michigan. No, that's not true. I don't know what Steven's looking at, but the second I'm looking best team at, on their I'm schedule. I'm going down their schedule. They've got Pitt, they've got Virginia Tech on the schedule later on in the season, and they've also got Miami, which, I mean, I don't. does anybody think that Miami-Clemson game is going to be a game at all? Miami looked good this week, right? Everyone's going crazy for Derek. Yeah, they did. They did a good job. You look good against Louisville. They're better than Boston College. Yeah, but yeah, into the half Miami's better than Boston all College. All I'm pointing out is, is some of the better than Boston College. Virginia Tech may be better than Boston College. All I'm saying, first of all, it was two different things. I was talking about what Urban Meyer said as that general statement, and then and I was saying when you compare this Clemson schedule to this Ohio State schedule, it's at least arguable when it usually isn't in any given year. This year, it is at least arguable that the Clemson schedule is as tough or tougher. So I'll agree with your hot take and disagree with Urban Meyer's hot take. Urban got a little out over his skis there. Urban, that's, Urban's trying to plant his flag on, like, not everything I say is 100% positive about Ohio State. So he's like, Ohio, I'm sure he predicted Ohio State to win the national championship, but he said he's, they're going to do it against an easy schedule. But again, I swear, seriously, I mean, like, what is the – you tell me – we're going to get into the fact of like why they're not playing Wisconsin and Minnesota. And again, I just realized like why and they would have had to tear up the schedule and tear up the principles of every schedule that they have lined up for the, for a 12 year period. They would have had to completely abandon a 12 year plan this year to put Wisconsin or Minnesota on Ohio state schedule. So that's why that didn't happen. But then, again, if the difference is I, – I mean, really, were we not talking about the Big Ten East is really good? And that was when Maryland and Rutgers were bad. So the only difference is Michigan State's not as good as it usually is, right? So no, then I, all I of a sudden, now, have, now the Big Ten East is a cakewalk? I'm, I'm definitely less convinced that teams like uh, – a team like Indiana is better than a lot of these ACC schools. I think they're probably equivalent. Okay. I'll read your hot take. I'll see how hot your take gets on Monday morning. I'll see how sizzling it is. We could, you could tag Urban in it. See if Urban gives you a retweet. <laughs> um, moving right along to what I think you, you're definitely eager to, to jump on this. So um, Nebraska AD Bill Moose came out this weekend. Um, uh, the Omaha World Herald. I can't remember can, if somebody else. Can I interrupt for a second? Yeah. Is his last name Moose? I, I know how it's spelled. It's spelled M-O-O-S. Is it like Moose? Yeah, is it, is it like, look, I saw a moose, or the way a cow expresses itself is it moos. Because moose, I saw a moose. That cow moos. I think it's Very probably different. the latter. I think it's probably moos. I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure, I, actually. I like I have not met him. I have not <laughs> met the man. 
have not. And if you did meet him, the first thing you would ask him is, "How do you pronounce your last name?" That's what I would do. Moose or Moose. Okay, I just want to. I just wanted to point that out because I think it's a it's a fun last name. Go ahead. It, it is a fun last name. He, uh, the Omaha World Herald. I saw Dirk Chatelain had a piece. I don't know if somebody else did, but it, that was the one that I read. But so I don't know if he was talking to other reporters too. But he basically is complaining for lack of a better term, that the that Nebraska – he couldn't talk the Big Ten into a schedule format for this eight-game schedule that would have better benefited Nebraska. Uh, Nebraska essentially had a – there were three – same thing with Ohio State. There were two games that they could have got to be their home game, and they got one of them. And we're going to talk about why in a second. Is that something else I'm writing about tomorrow, about how there's a Big Ten schedule structure? And Doug, Doug if you just want to run with that, you can, but it's it's – his basically his his point being that they got a tough non-conference draw or a tough crossover draw that and now they have the toughest draw in the in the conference and it, he believes that it it at least intimated that this is punitive in some way or at least that's the way it was getting written about. There are definitely columnists in Nebraska that are came out and said that on Twitter that this is somehow the the Big Ten sticking it to Nebraska. And I don't know that he went that far, but he was definitely saying like, well, I thought this was unfair and I tried to talk him into something else and I got rebuffed. So uh, I thought it was pretty ridiculous. And I know I, I almost sent it to you as it was happening, being like, you're going to go off on this, right? And I'm pretty sure you are. <laughs> so, so, it's such a, so when did you, and we keep, I like, we're teasing people with this Big Ten schedule structure. When did you realize that this Big Ten schedule structure exists? Was it today or yesterday? Or did you know it beforehand? Well, in general, I know there are some of those those concepts that are there about how you have a team that you're paired with and that, what, six-year window? Yeah. and You knew that already? It, I think I, it was all the things I think I knew. It just wasn't like in the front of my head of things that I know. Okay. You know what I mean? So It's so something that in past, in past um, writing and reading about this thing, that, that has come up, yes. But we didn't know exactly which structure they were going to use. Uh, Purdue's AD, Mike Wabinski, had said during – all the mess last week that that he believed that it was going to be based on the previous nine game schedule that was going to be there back before COVID and everything. So if that was true, then this principle was going to be involved in, in what came out for this eight game schedule too. Okay. So there's two things that I want to express here. One is to explain the structure to our loyal listeners. And one is to rip people. So I, I think actually I'll rip the people first because the other thing is a little bit like homework. Quiddy Pay from Michigan also tweeted over the weekend that like they gave those boys an easy schedule or whatever, obviously referencing Ohio State's crossovers compared to Michigan's crossovers because Michigan's crossovers are uh, Wisconsin and Minnesota. They, Michigan's crossovers are the two best teams in the West and Ohio State's crossovers are Illinois and Nebraska. So here's my point about this. To anyone at Michigan or Nebraska complaining about the schedule being too tough. People are supposed to be complaining about having to play you because you're supposed to be good. You, if you are Michigan and you are complaining that you have to play Minnesota and Ohio State doesn't have to play Minnesota, you're dead. You're dead before you start. And listen, Nebraska, when you came here, you were supposed to be good. You were supposed to be a second foundational program with Wisconsin in the West. 
So you're playing Ohio State because you're supposed to be the Ohio State of the West. So if you don't get to play Rutgers, you're not the Rutgers of the West. And when, when people are saying, boy, Ohio State got it easy. They only have to play Nebraska. That means you stink. So why don't you do something about that instead of acting like playing established traditional Big Ten powers is some kind of burden? We're in Nebraska. We didn't come to the Big Ten to play Michigan and Ohio State. We came to the Big Ten to play Indiana and Maryland. We didn't even know Maryland was going to be in the Big Ten when we joined. But as soon as they joined, we were like, give us more of that. That's who we want. We want to try to get six wins and go to a bowl game. So listen, I have, listen, like Rutgers and Maryland and those teams, you're supposed to complain about your schedule because you have no hope. And your only chance to go into a bowl is hoping, I hope our, I hope our opponents stink. Come on, Nebraska. It's not punitive, but, you know, have some pride and be the team that people are afraid of. Be the team that people are afraid of. You should be afraid of no one. And at the very least, you should be afraid of no one publicly. Complain behind the scenes. Bill Moose, or Moose, talks to, <laughs> you were like, I'm not sure which Nebraska reporter he talked to. And it's like, well, I know he talked to all of them. Right, right. Which is great. Thank you for talking to the media. I wish we'd gotten Gene Smith on the record a little more frequently over the last month. But also... Save your complaining, big boy. You want to be a big boy? Does Nebraska want to be a big boy? Or do you want to be a medium boy? Because I'll tell you what, if Nebraska, who's Ohio State supposed to play? Are they supposed to play Wisconsin five times a year because that's the only West program on Ohio State's level? And, and, and I, I retweeted a Joel Klatt thing. He said the, the, the schools that had like the best luck in the Big Ten schedule release were Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Minnesota. And I wasn't the only person who said this, but I said, I retweeted and said, yeah, none of them have to play Ohio State. When you're Ohio State and you don't, I mean, you're so far and away the best team. Everybody else's life revolves around, oh, we got to play Ohio State. Or yay, we don't have to play Ohio State. Ohio State doesn't have to play Ohio State. So if that makes their schedule look like Clemson, I'm sorry, but Penn State's good and they're going to get Wisconsin. And so I just, I just wanted to make it very clear that, Michigan and Nebraska whining is from weakness, from weakness. Yeah, now we can do that. Real quick, I want to interject on this real quick, though. He's complaining. <laughs> your point about, oh, Nebraska, who we really want to play is Indiana and Maryland. Nebraska lost at home to Indiana last year. So before they can complain about having to get the tougher teams from the east, beat the lesser teams. So you're not beating those either. What does it matter? You're a tier six program. Some say. All this complaining does is show you exactly where your program belongs. You're admitting to that. And, and, and That's all idea, you're doing. The idea of that, like, <clears throat> we, we fought to play, so we were punished by having to play good teams is like admitting that you're not a good team. So I just thought it was, I mean, I know everybody, I mean, you guys, you got, our listeners, our, our listeners are very uh, social media savvy. They all saw everybody, I'll tell you what, there's going to be an empty stadium when Nebraska comes to Ohio State. 
in that empty stadium, they're going to play in Step Brothers clips the whole game. Everybody, if you could find every single scene of Step Brothers, Will Ferrell's Ohio State. He's trying to bury John C. Riley as Nebraska in the ground. There's one, there's a part. I showed my daughter's Step Brothers, and there's a part in Step Brothers that young, younger people should not see. Don't put that part on the Jumbotron. And I'm not sure it's at the drum kit, right? Isn't yeah. there something that gets put on the drum kit? And I'm not sure whether that's Ohio State or Nebraska putting that on the drum kit, but I just am warning the video crews for both schools, watch yourself with the stepbrother stuff. You, you can go too far there. Here's the math. I did not know this. I'm, I'm, a terrible, I'm terrible at my job. I don't know. I mean, I, what can I tell you? Why would I lie? I'm terrible. Starting in 2016, the Big Ten made a 12-year schedule, and for the crossovers, they gave everybody in one six-year window and then another six-year window, they gave you a permanent crossover for six years. And then after six years, it's going to switch. The only one that doesn't switch is Indiana-Purdue. They're a permanent crossover for eternity. The reason that Ohio State and Nebraska have played each other every year since 2016 and will continue to play every year until, until 2021 is because Ohio State and Nebraska are the first permanent crossover for each other. They did that because they thought they were kind of on equal footing. Michigan's permanent, cr permanent crossover is Wisconsin. Now, it's kind of good luck for Ohio State that their permanent crossover, Nebraska, stinks. It's kind of bad luck for Michigan that their permanent crossover, Wisconsin, is good. But guess what? Starting in 2022 until 2027, the second six-year period, it's going to switch. Wisconsin becomes Ohio State's permanent crossover for those six years. Nebraska becomes Michigan's permanent crossover for those six years. There is kind of a – they did make that permanent crossover kind of on like how good you're supposed to be. Right, So that's why Nebraska got paired with Ohio State. And then in the schedule, for instance, Ohio State played Nebraska in 2016. Then they paired up the other six teams in the opposite division in three groups, three twosomes, and they just rotate those. Right. So 2016, so Ohio State's playing Nebraska every year between 2016 and 2021. Their rotation for the other West teams, starting in 2016, it was Wisconsin-Northwestern. In 2017, it was Iowa-Illinois. In 2018, it was Minnesota-Purdue. Then they started it over. 2019, it was Wisconsin-Northwestern again. This year, it's Iowa-Illinois. Next year, it's Minnesota-Purdue. So it's just two cycles of that. So that's why it was Nebraska-Iowa-Illinois this year. They didn't get rid of anybody's permanent crossover. So Ohio State, when they redid this, was going to play Nebraska no matter what. And then they had to be, have the other team, the other game be a road game. So Illinois was the road game for Ohio State. Iowa was the home game. So they had to whack Iowa. And also, by the way, the way the structure sets up coming up next, Ohio State is planned when they reset in 2022, they reset. So Wisconsin becomes the permanent crossover. And then the other two teams in 2022 that Ohio State plays are Northwestern and Iowa. So they are scheduled to play Iowa sooner than they are scheduled to play Illinois. So if they had whacked Illinois off the Ohio State schedule this year instead of Iowa, Ohio State would have gone from 2017 to 2024 without playing Illinois. But, but they also weren't going to do that anyway because Iowa was a home game for this so that's schedule. That's what I said. Illinois already. was a road game. Okay. Right. Yeah. So once you did the home and road thing, it had to be Iowa. 
and I'm sure it's the same thing everywhere. You have your permanent crossover, right? And then whatever your permanent crossover was, that's staying. And then the other game that had to stay was the opposite home road of what your permanent crossover was. So there was no decision. There were no decisions made here. And if you look at the schedule, why is, why is Michigan playing Wisconsin and Minnesota? Well, it's because Wisconsin's their permanent crossover during this six-year period. And by the rotating groupings, Minnesota and Purdue were on the schedule this year, and they got rid of Purdue. So there's nothing random about it. And what Bill Moose slash Moose wanted to do was tear it up. He said, I thought it was such a weird year. I thought we just could have like said, eh, just make up a schedule. But why would you do that? This way, you're missing one game. You're missing one game in a 12-year cycle. Ohio State and Iowa are going to miss out each other, miss out on each other once in this 12-year cycle. Purdue and Michigan will miss out each other on each other once. But the idea of you have an equitable thing and that Bill Moose wants to just tear it up because he's sick of losing to Ohio State, come on, Nebraska, don't be afraid. But let's, I didn't realize it was the structured to that degree. And once they decided we're sticking with it, which they should, once they decided that, there were no decisions to be made. And if Nebraska has – again, Nebraska right now, their, their, permanent, their permanent crossover is Ohio State. And the way the rotating schedule went, their other two games this year were Rutgers and Penn State. So they got Rutgers whacked and they got Penn State. I'm sorry. But that's just the way the schedule – over a 12-year period, it's like in, exactly equitable. Other than that Indiana and Purdue play every year, but they account for that. But otherwise, it's 1,000% equitable over a 12-year period. And so they, there's no reason they should have torn that up this year. And so Bill Moose can act like it's because Nebraska saved Big Ten football. It's just the schedule, brother. It's just the schedule. So try to see if you can win seven games this year. Not seven. Not going to win seven in an eight-game schedule. Try to go four and four. Good job on the, on the whatever, the lawsuit, the fight, whatever. You think you saved it single-handedly. That's fine. That's great. Get better. Come back and complain when you're better at football. Yeah, I, biggest... I didn't know any of that. I, didn't, I forgot that Nebraska was their permanent crossover. And now, just by the way, if Ohio State fans get ready, they're playing Wisconsin every year from 2022 to 2027. So strap in for that. That's going to be fun. The, uh, the bigger problem for Nebraska is not that they got a tougher schedule by not having to play Rutgers. The bigger problem is that Rutgers also got a tougher schedule this year for not getting to play Nebraska. Hey, <laughs> that's a line. That's appearing in the column. That's appearing in the column. <laughs> that's almost what I almost tweeted it out the other day. And I, cause I mean, I, they, that's, that's what happened. I mean, I think it was going to be either it was either uh, Nebraska or Purdue for Rutgers on that spot on the schedule. Purdue's been beating Nebraska. Purdue's been ahead of or equal to Nebraska here recently. So, um, but isn't that interesting? I did. I swear to God, like it's news to my ears. The permanent crossover. I'm so dumb. I'm so you know, dumb. That's a smart way to go about things, actually, because it almost makes things less of a headache when you do have to go about making schedules on a yearly basis. Right. It's not I, like they're they're pulling it out. It's a form. No, it's just when if some in weird years where stuff like this happens. Obviously, this isn't an every year thing, but it just makes things a little easier to go about because they probably wouldn't have been able to pull a schedule around that quickly if they didn't have to think about. Oh yeah, there are already permanent things built in that we can go off of. I got computers, man. 
and, yeah, and, you know, and actually the, the kind of, you know, it, it benefits Ohio state to have it set up this way too. I mean, if, if, and in a lot of years, if Ohio state, like how about this year, like if Ohio state on top of, you know, uh, everything else had, had drawn even worse teams in Nebraska, if there are those in the West um, and instead of having to play Nebraska in that opener, I, I think, you know, in, in a given year, I think Ohio State wants that kind of matchup. It wants to be matched up with uh, Nebraska or Wisconsin or whoever from the West because I think you, they need that kind of help on their schedule. I know the East is tough as it is, but I also don't think the cakewalks do you any good when you're trying to get into the playoff. Can I just give Bill Moose some warning, by the way? I just want Bill to be prepared for this. Starting in 2022, Nebraska's permanent crossover for six years is Michigan. And the way that their other cross-division opponents are paired up, it just so happened that Penn State and Ohio State got paired up in the same year for Nebraska. So in 2024, Nebraska's three crossover games are Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State. So they might want to get their complaints ready now. Or just recruit better. I'm sure by the time that happens that – Three t- the, the program that won three national titles 20 years ago will be very upset that they have to play good teams in the other division. By the way, look, just looking at Nebraska's schedule this year, I think this might be a two-win team. I think the meanest thing that I've ever heard <laughs> a sports writer say is that Rutgers thought that playing you would have been easier than playing Purdue. Like Rutgers wanted Nebraska. I hope that that line appears high in your Monday column because it's like the most biting thing that you can say to any Nebraska person is like, oh, Rutgers was really mad that you got, you got bounced off their schedule because they were looking – Greg Schiano had that circled as a W, baby. <laughs> oh, I don't, think he had it, I don't think he had it circled as a W, but it's certainly not – any tougher than for right now it's not tougher to play nebraska than it is to play purdue it's just not it's just not they don't have by, well, by I'm, any it, by any no. stretch of their best player left jenny yeah. spielman transferred <laughs> yeah no I, and i and like, good I like, to begin with and i and i like scott frost I, I like i thought i thought scott frost was like a great hire i still think he might get it going there but like I just think there's a there's like a little the idea that Nebraska went from like we saved everybody to why do we have to play yeah. all the good teams in like ten seconds is a little annoying, frankly. That's enough on Nebraska's schedule. Let's take a break. We're gonna come back and we're gonna talk a little bit more about Ohio State's schedule. And then in the third segment, we're gonna get into the real market down Monday question, which I think I actually forgot to say up front. The market down Monday question this week was what will be the closest game on Ohio State's schedule? Um, a runaway winner, but some other interesting answers. We'll come back later with that, but uh, some more in-depth on the Buckeye schedule after this break. All right, we're back on Buckeye Talk. I wanted to talk a little bit just about Ohio State's schedule, and I'm going to run it down again real quick because we also haven't done that yet, um, and just in case anybody mi- uh, missed it this weekend. Uh, October 24th, and again, these dates, so we heard it was going to start on the weekend of October 23rd or 24th, or the weekend of that weekend, Friday or Saturday, but then they released everything they released so far has been a Saturday date. The Ohio state release said that some of these could end up being Friday dates. I don't know if there's other days of the week that'll be in the mix either, but so I would expect, I don't know if it'll happen for Ohio state, but some of these games will end up being Friday games. Um, I actually think that could be a bit of an issue for teams potentially if things go sideways as far as the coronavirus later this season. But anyway, um, October 24th, Ohio state, 
against Nebraska at home. October 31st at Penn State. November 7th at home against Rutgers. November 14th at Maryland. November 21st home against IU. November 28th at Illinois. December 5th at Michigan State. December 12th home against Michigan. Anybody think – I guess that schedule in and of itself – Thoughts on what that means for Ohio State relative to what it wants to be this year, the, the, being a college football playoff aspirant team. Um, and there's nothing they can do about it. It's a schedule they have to play. Does it present any potential pitfalls or problems for a team that wants to get to that level? So the thing we said, there's no bye week, so there's no like, oh, somebody has a bye week the week that you're playing a tough opponent the week before and they have a whole week off or whatever, That which is the kind of thing that people, often look for with like looking for trap games um i tried to look at i went through all their opponents to see like who their opponent is playing the week before right and is there anything where you know ohio state has a tough back-to-back but their opponent is playing and there's like there's not you know like there's no there's no great big thing in there you know that, that anything that jumped out so it's just these are the eight teams they're going to play and they, they play them in a row so the the only i mean the most interesting thing to me is penn state in week two but i can't decide if that's if that somehow makes it a tougher game for ohio state if you said to ohio state okay and we can talk a little bit about them putting michigan at the end of the year that's more of a traditional thing than a than a how tough does it make the schedule but if you said to ryan day Good job. Hey, good job, uh, you know, getting the season back on track there, buddy. As a reward, you tell us when you want to play Penn State. What, we, what would he have said? Right? I mean, so like, I can't – I can't – I love it in week two because I think it's – like week one, okay, let's figure this out. Everybody hasn't played in a while. Week one might be sloppy, but like then let's go. And I think that's fun from a fan perspective, but I can't decide whether I think it makes it – if whether it's somehow good, bad, or neutral for Ohio State to play the toughest, the best team on their schedule in their second game. Would you maybe flip it with Indiana? Maybe that's the best argument you can make. Because you can be Penn State, Indiana, and Michigan are probably the best three teams on the schedule. But but um, why what 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 why I, I, what do you think is harder or easier about playing Penn State earlier or later? May, like I can't decide. Yeah, that's the, the maybe the argument is just simply if you play them a little bit later, you've had a couple more seat games to get into a groove, but it's not just like last year where you're having to play this many hard games in a row. Um, so it just gives you a couple more games to get into a groove of a season. While the argument made to play it in week two is you get a big game out of the way on your schedule, and so when the college football playoff rankings come out the committee has at least that game to go off of when they're putting Ohio State into a spot. So there's a pro and con to both sides of it. It's just whether one of those pros or cons outweighs the other one. I think if I were Ohio State and I got to pick when to play Penn State, I might pick week one. I might just gamble on or put my chips on. We are going to be the best prepared team in the country coming out of this. We feel like we've done the best job um, handling this virus. We feel like we've done the best job with our off-season plan and, and communicating with guys even when they weren't on campus. We're going to be ready to go in week one in a way nobody else will. That's what I would be betting on. And um, we don't want the other team to have a week to work out their kinks. We're going to be just ready to go week one, and we'll take the other best team um, and, and get that get that done in week one. And then 
then you've got just in this giant morass of, of nothing between week two and, and when you finally play Michigan. But I actually, I think your point, it makes a lot of sense that maybe you want that first week. If you have anything that has to be, you know, these, these defensive backs that you're bringing in, um, you know, the, the young receivers who are just getting thrown right in the fire, other true freshmen that might have to play, they're getting thrown right in the fire. Some other things on defense that you have to figure out. Maybe you want a week to get, get kind of, you know, knock the rust off and then play your big game the week after that. But I do think it is important that they play that game early on for some of the reasons that we talked about before um, relative to you don't know what's going to happen with this schedule. If things get weird later and you miss games, I think you want as good of a win as you can possibly get early in the season to have that in your pocket for when the, the playoff has to start making its determinations later. To the point of the rankings, the first rankings come out on November 17th and Ohio state will have played the big 10 will have played four games by then. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Ohio state will have played Nebraska, Penn state Rutgers and Maryland. And so I do think, yes, to have a, to have a top 25 win in those first four games is probably advantageous for Ohio state. Given that you're playing a shorter schedule than everybody else, it, to have had last year's schedule where you have a 10 week cakewalk and then you play Penn state, Michigan back to back. I think it is better for Ohio state to have a chance to make its case earlier than that. That if they're starting late and like they're kind of an afterthought and then it's like, all right, they played six crappy teams and you're waiting to figure out, you know, if the committee is being honest and was, you know, was saying, well, like we think they're good, but they haven't played a ranked team yet. So we have them ninth, you know, until they beat Penn State, that I think maybe somehow would have been a little disadvantageous. So you get Penn State and you're going to have a Penn State. I mean, if you're going to be good, you're going to have a Penn State win on your record before they evaluate you, which I think is good for Ohio State. Especially since everybody knows Nebraska's fraud. You didn't necessarily know that coming into last season. You thought they would take the step forward. So that win meant more when you were coming into the season than it actually ended up being. And that game was in Lincoln last year, too. This one being yeah. at Ohio Stadium, potentially less valuable from a, a, a playoff standpoint, whatever. Uh, the Michigan game being the, the regular season finale again. It'll be December 12th, not the usual Thanksgiving finale. Um, Thanksgiving weekend finale, I should say. Uh, we talked about that earlier, kind of predicted. We thought that that was maybe where it was going to end up, right? Um, you guys, Stephen, what do you think about that being in the final week? I like that. It keeps at least some in a weird year, you get a little bit of tradition going. So I have no problem with it being the final week, even if it's not necessarily Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving has only been the case for 10 years. Yeah. Because traditionally before then, the Big Ten finished before Thanksgiving. Right. So in the last decade, I think families have tied that together. And we've heard that from a lot of fans. Hey, we get together, our families all together on Thanksgiving. And then two days later, everybody hangs out. We get to watch the Ohio State-Michigan game together. That's great how that turned out. But I think, and I think maybe even I, I even predicted it wrong. I think I think maybe you guys both predicted it would be the last game of the regular season. I thought, ah, oh, maybe I'll leave it on Thanksgiving. But the point is, any postponed game is dead. I think, right? I mean, yeah. I don't see a way around that. So whether you are postponed in week two or week eight, if you can't play the game on the Saturday that it's scheduled, it's not getting played. So that that takes off the pressure of well, let's try to move up Ohio State, Michigan to create wiggle room. There is no wiggle room. So I like it as the last game then. And they kept all the rivalry games in, in the final week. You know, the, the real rivalries like this one and, and Purdue, Indiana and Illinois Northwestern. And then the fake ones like Maryland Rutgers or whatever. But they um, just kept that. That's the same as what the original schedule yeah. right. schedule one would have had right. on the last weekend. Correct. Correct. 
Can I say something while you have one? Yeah, you go ahead. The one thing that just looking at this that I did now, I am, if I'm, if you're looking for lulls or that kind of thing, whatever we said, there's no bye week. I call it the Delaney gauntlet that they play Rutgers, Maryland back to back. They then play Indiana. So the idea of week two, Hey, we beat Penn state. We're good. Rutgers and Maryland back to back. They're both terrible. We don't even feel like we're playing. And then maybe when we did this kind of, when we did the schedule stuff in the summer, and a lot of us, it was like, where, where's the possible upset, right? Where's the possible upset? Indiana, with a veteran defense, with maybe a quarterback with some upside, with a couple skill guys. I think Indiana is like the upset team of these eight that everybody had circled. And you're getting them after you're playing the two worst teams. So that's all. I mean, you know, if you're trying to win the national championship, you can't let playing Rutgers and Maryland screw you up for Indiana but maybe they'll be a little flat because they're going to play two scrimmages before they play the Hoosiers. And just to say, uh, Indiana will be playing Michigan and Michigan state the two weeks prior to play Ohio and, state. And that's the, I want to talk about that five game stretch because it's, it's pretty miserable um, just from a, a casual fan standpoint, certainly like it, it, you know, Rutgers at home at Maryland, Indiana at home at Illinois, at Michigan state, at least three of the five are on the road, but, I don't know that there's actually a very good team at all in, in any of those five teams in that entire stretch. That's a, that's a stretch where Ohio state, you know, we talked about um, maybe having to go for style points in some ways, in a way that you wouldn't in a normal year because it's, it's truncated and you're, you're trying to impress the committee, whatever, however you want to say it. Um, those could be five ugly weeks. Those could be five really ugly weeks. I do think the the point, so Gene Smith sort of said this in passing and I don't know if it was in passing. He said it in passing on our Zoom call with him when all this stuff, uh, when they came back on Wednesday. And he just said he thinks that the committee's going to have to do more of a look test this year, right? More than ever. And Gene's been on that committee. Gene knows how that committee operates. Gene is friends with everybody on that committee. Gene knows every AD in the business and they know Gene. Gene got off the committee because I think he was not able to advocate for Ohio State at a time when Ohio State needed an advocate. And at the moment, I was just like, oh, yeah, 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 look, look, test. I don't know if Gene says anything in passing. I think maybe he realizes that Ohio State's best thing on their side for the committee might be the look test. That it's like, you know, I'm a big guy, fan of resume voting, right? This is just going to be a hard year to resume vote, but especially for this, when Urban Meyer's calling it a Clemson schedule, they're just going to have to look great and hope that looking great is enough. And, and I actually, I think it will be because I just checked it so far ahead. And not that the committee looks at things like this, but just as a reset for people, now that Ohio State's back in, resetting national championship odds. I just looked on some site. I'm sure they're basically all the same. Clemson and Ohio State, the co-favorites at five to two, Bama at seven to two. Next, nobody else is more than 16 to one, Florida and Georgia. So that's, we've talked about it. We know it, but that's how far above everybody else, the odds makers think Clemson, Ohio State, and Alabama are. And so they are so far ahead. I think all, all those three teams, all they have to do is be themselves. And if they look like who we think they are, and you can't, I mean, you can't lose a dumb game, but they're not going to get passed by, oh, somebody else went, you know what I mean? Like TCU was also undefeated. And what does, 
I mean, Ohio's, you know what I mean? Right. So right, just right. win your games and look good, and, and that's it. Yeah, I think, to, if I'm not mistaken, Justin Fields said something uh, similar to that. I'm not sure if it was with you, know, um, you guys on that Zoom call today or if it was on college game day, but I think he said something similar to that. And to your point, Doug, I mean, Clemson only beat Citadel 49 to nothing, which, I mean, it's Citadel. You probably should have won that game 80 to nothing. Was it 49 nothing at half? Yeah, it was 49 nothing at half. And so, to I, that you point, think the playoff committee is going to hold it against them that they didn't? No, they, that's what I'm saying. Okay. To your point, they're not. No, I wasn't thinking. Yeah, to their point, that they don't. They know Clemson is good, so they don't need to win by more than that for them to know that. I will say that this, you know, in another year, we would be looking at an Ohio State 12 game schedule, thinking like, well, if they lost a game, here's how they could get into the playoff. You know, you lose at Oregon, but as long as you still win at Penn State and you win the Big Ten and you win the Big Ten championship game, you're probably a playoff team or you can see the path there. I don't know if I see a way that they can lose a game this year and make the playoff. So here's the thing. It doesn't feel – the Pac-12 is trying to restart by all reports. John Wilner, who's really good, is kind of leading the reporting on that for the San Jose Mercury News. Seems like they're trying to start October 31st, November 7th. Probably, it sounds like, wouldn't be able to get going until November 7th. Who knows how they're going to fit into this. But say, I mean, if Ohio State, say Ohio State beats Penn State, but does get upset by Indiana, but then they're tied with Penn State, with each have one loss, and Ohio State has the tiebreaker because they beat Penn State head-to-head, and they go to the Big Ten championship game and they win, and they're the one-loss Big Ten champ, they're in. Who's in instead of them? Because I just think also the committee can just say, listen, man, they lost to Indiana. Does that mean we don't think they're as good as Indiana? Are you kidding me? This year is, is jacked up, brother. The year is jacked up. Look at them. They're one of the four best teams. Who are we going to put in instead? They won the Big Ten. There's only four real conferences. They're the champ. What, we're going to put in like the one-loss second-place team? In the in the, from the Big Twelve because we think Texas didn't lose by as much to somebody or we're get, I just I just think they actually might have wiggle room win the Big Ten be who you are almost all the time and they'll say listen the rest we're given more benefit of the doubt than we did when we said the Purdue loss was too too much for us to overlook right we get you get more benefit of the doubt you're stinking Ohio State. You're really talented. You're in. I so I just I think that I mean like what's the scenario where they do that? They're the one lost Big Ten champ and they're not in. Well, I don't know what that scenario is because Notre Dame and Clemson are playing each other, so only one of them is going to be an ACC champ. So you're removing the independent Notre Dame thing, and we don't know what the Pac-12 is doing, but the Pac-12 stinks. So what? You're taking the second place SEC team. Over the one-loss Big Ten champ who's great, I just don't see it. I think I could definitely see that scenario. I could also see a scenario where if, you know, Notre Dame wins at home in a competitive game against Clemson, Clemson wins all its other games and is, you know, the number one team right now and it has all this esteem and stuff. Like, I could see Clemson and Notre Dame both getting in the playoff in that scenario. Like, I think there's a lot of scenarios where if if Ohio State loses to the wrong team, even if it's a one-loss Big Ten champion, it doesn't get in the playoff. You don't think any of those are, are plausible Scenarios. I, I think in a year where there are only four of the power five teams playing and it's the Pac-12 one isn't a, the Pac-12 isn't saying. really a factor right, in the, I, in the I, playoff I, right I'm now. I'm going anyway. to finish my point. Yes. And the fact, and it's the Pac-12 who's not playing, who's not a factor anyway. I think the conference champs are going to get in in a year like that. 
if it was the ACC that wasn't playing for some reason and, and that took Clemson off the board, then I think that becomes more interesting as far as mixing it up. But having those teams, I mean, the Pac-12 isn't really in this conversation right now anyway. Oregon was on the fringe of it, but then they canceled, you know, Pac-12 canceled and all the Oregon guys opted out and we'll see what happens with that. But as Doug said, those guys, even if those guys, even if the Pac-12 plays, those guys might not be coming back in because they might not be involved in the playoff. I just, I don't know. I still see a lot of, of potentially freaky ways that this does not work out in Ohio State's favor if it doesn't if it loses to the wrong team. But we know that champ being a champion is a tiebreaker, right? The committee says that that if you're a conference champ and you're up against a team that's not a conference champ, that's one of the things that should be in your favor as a conference champ. And they're as talented as anybody. Like why I just don't know why would why would Clemson as a one loss non champ get in over Ohio State as a one loss champ? What, what, what is Clemson? I mean, Ohio State and Clemson went toe to toe last year. Ohio State is every bit as talented as Clemson. I just, I just think the it's a very clear path. And again, we're going to play the game again. Like you're putting in the second place, the second place oh, SEC yeah. team in this weird year with how good Ohio State is, and they're clearly one of the three teams that's better than everybody else. I just don't know that. I just don't know that I see it. I, I understand Nathan that we've been down that road, and again. We all have to realize Ohio State's been excluded as the Big Ten champ. We've lived in that world. But, man, this is the coronavirus world, baby. I just, right. think, I just think that four champs really are the very, very most likely thing to have happen unless it's just, unless it's just really weird. And usually the really weird thing is either Clemson or Bama is not the champ of that conference, and then you want to put in Bama or Clemson – Anyway, that's exactly what I was going to say. That's exactly what I was going to say. So like if Oklahoma or Texas comes out of the uh, is undefeated Big 12 champ and then you've got uh, Alabama beats Georgia in the regular season and then Georgia beats them in the SEC championship. And then you have like the scenario I was just talking about with Clemson and Notre Dame. I'm just I'm not saying that you're that you we can't we wouldn't be arguing at the time that Ohio State should still be getting in. I'm just definitely dismissing this thought that if Ohio State a one loss Big 10 champion Ohio State definitely gets in. But I would I, say I in that moment, that. What, as a non-champ, what does Alabama have as a non-champ that's better than Ohio State? Because Ohio State and Alabama and Clemson are starting the season on the same level. So that's the thing where if you thought in other years, well, Bama's Bama or Clemson's Clemson, they're going to get the benefit of the doubt. I think Ohio State's right there with them in the perception going in. And so if they're not a champ, screw them. Like, I don't, I don't think that that benefit of the doubt that may have existed in the past would exist now. So I think they almost – it's going to be fun to talk about. Oh, this is going to fill our podcast. <laughs> the other thing that's coloring this discussion is my still not putting Indiana on the same level even as you guys, where I'm thinking like, well, if they lost Indiana at home, that's a – I think that, that sounds still to me today as like a worse loss than I think it does to you guys. And it's just one of those things. It's the thing we do over and over and over again. I mean, would you rather lose to the good team – or beat the good team and lose to the bad team. Because then if you, if you lose to the good team, then where's your good win? You know, but also if you lose to the wrong team. I mean, so the, the thing that I don't like about uh, – I'm not sure people – is this like back in the flow? People are like, oh, this feels natural? Or are we spinning ourselves into a circle a month before they're even playing a stinking game? If you say that they would be better off losing to Penn State and beating everybody else, now you're making a case for Ohio State to make it as like a non-champ, which they did in 2016, right? But I just, I just think I, you're better no. off. You, you, you have a weird loss. You have some good wins. 
You go, you win your conference championship and has a one loss. Not every one loss Big Ten champ. Ohio State as the one loss Big Ten champ, I think 95% is in regardless of what happens with every, anybody else. I think in a year where the eye test is the, probably the most important thing given what 2020 is, the bad loss is a lot better looking on your resume than, the, you know, than losing to the bad team. Because then no, it's no. just it's just you lost to it. You lost in a week that team you shouldn't have lost to, but we know that you're clearly better than that team anyway. Don't look like crap the other the other seven weeks. Yeah, of don't course. Don't look like crap. Don't look like you have a helps. miserable defense. I suppose yeah. I'm just saying in a year where the look test may mean more than ever, don't lose at home to fake good Indiana. I think that could be crippling. Anything else we want to talk about just about the, the Ohio State schedule in general before we mark it down? Um. No, I'm excited. I think it's good. I just, I just, um, it's going to be weird. I mean, that stretch we talk about, so I mean, they're, they're going to be good boring for about a good month there. They're going to be blowing people off the board. It's not going to be, you know, you're an Ohio State fan. They're going to have an awesome week two against Penn State. And then it's going to be a month of like, hey, they won 52 to three. Hey, they won 61 to 10. Hey, can they stay healthy? Hey, and we're going to be doing like, should Ryan Day have left Justin Fields in for Heisman stuff? No, I think it was good to take him out. Should they have played the freshman receivers more to get him experience? No, I think you owe it to Chris Olave to put him on the field. I mean, it's going to be just like miserable. So we won't do that. We'll tell you that ahead of time. That's what everybody else is going to be doing. We will not spend five podcasts a week talking about whether Justin Fields should have played two series in the third quarter or four series in the second half for his Heisman chances while Ohio State was winning by 60. But that's what's going to be happening on the field between the Penn State game and the Michigan game. Seeing this on paper did make me start to think about how weird this was going to be. Like, normally in this circumstance, you would think like, oh, the schedule's out. So like, we got to go make like our travel plans. And like, I got to go book a room in State College. And then it was like, there's no fans coming. Like <laughs> I'll be able to book whatever room I want to in state college. So I, I haven't made any of those plans yet because it's going to be the same $90 Hampton Inn that I could stay at any other time. And we don't know who's going and we don't know how many's going to be right. going. And yeah. we don't know. I mean, you're going to be going Nathan. We just don't know the rest of it because we just don't know how the credentials are going to work. So yeah, this will, it'll all be, it'll be zoom Buckeye talks post game this season and we could all be who knows where we'll be when we're recording them it's probably gonna be that anyway too just for the sake of not us really not aired on each other's faces but that's true even if we're all at the game we'll leave the press box go to our cars and zoom each other yep but these these are three different boxes in franklin county right now right or are you in the county or are you in a different county where you are you so, know i've been wanting to talk about this because i do think our bucket what <laughs> <I'm like> a... <laughs> what <laughs> I'm like three quarters of a mile into Delaware County, Ohio. So I that's what I thought. Delaware. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. But still the greater, the greater Columbus area, we're going to take a break after that riveting discussion and we're going to come back and mark it down. What will be the closest game on this new Ohio state football schedules? All right, we're back. Let's mark it down. What will be the toughest game on this Ohio state schedule? Steven, you're up first. I mean, Penn State, just from a talent standpoint, is probably going to be a tough game. Wait, can I, can I jump in? Can I jump yeah. in? What is the phrasing? Is it yeah. toughest game or is it the closest, closest. score? It's got to be closest because toughest is a is – a... Okay. Because closest and toughest are could be two completely different things, right? Yes. 
So, okay, I just want to make sure. Close because yeah, you can't mark down toughest. Right. Closest yeah. is numbers. Again, we're terrible at math on this podcast, but that's what we're doing. Toughest is arguable. Closest, it's subjective. Closest is objective. What was the score? What was the closest game? So Ohio State will either lose or win by the least amount against what? which of these eight teams? Okay, right. yeah, because I was gonna, those are two different answers for me. I think the closest score might be the Michigan game just because it's Michigan and it's a rivalry game. So things can happen in that game can sometimes be closer than maybe the talent suggests it is. We've seen that in the past, 2016. Um, so that would probably be the closest score. Uh, and Given closest score, I think all these games are going to be blowouts. This is going to be the least amount of – we're talking about a blowout. Like if they beat everybody else by 50 or 40 points, they might only beat Michigan by 28, 35 points. You think the closest game on the schedule is going to be 28 points? I think it'll be at least three touchdowns. Yes, that is the closest score, honestly. Okay. Honestly, it's just, I mean. I'm, I meant to go back and look and see what the, the closest score in uh, all these recent Penn State games. I mean, these, you know, but I think people know. I mean, there have been a lot of. We don't know if Michael Parsons is playing. I know some of Michigan's guys just opted back in on the defensive line and all that, but we don't know who's playing and who's not. So based off of what we, who we know is actually playing, Right now, when we're marking this down, three scores is the closest anybody is going to get at the end of the game to Ohio State. So I, I we can talk. I, I think we need to talk about that. We need to talk about some opt-outs beyond some guys. So Jalen Mayfield for Michigan, who's their left tackle, is opting back in. Mm-hmm. That is a big deal. Um, Micah Parsons, James Franklin said, Micah Parsons, the best defensive player in the Big Ten, Penn State's best player. James Franklin said on, I think, game day or something – said that he and Micah Parsons are talking. So again, this is more complicated. Micah Parsons has been opted out forever. Reportedly has signed with an agent, Albert Breer of, uh, of uh, SI.com reported that, that he had, a, you know, he can look at that. He's one of the big 10 guys who opted out who did sign with an agent. So again, that becomes more complicated. But James Franklin said they're talking. Michigan did lose Nico Collins, who was their second leading receiver from last year. He has opted out like just now and Ambry Thomas is still out, but I think might come back again. He was on a radio show and said, maybe he'll come back. And then of course we need to talk about the fact that Dylan McCaffrey, who people thought was going to be a Michigan starting quarterback left. He can say he opted out. He opted out the transfer. You don't opt out then transfer. You just transfer. Right. So he just transferred. He transferred. It's like, he marched. He's Ed McCaffrey's son. Ed McCaffrey and that McC- the McCaffrey family was very vocal. One of the vocal let's play families. Dylan McCaffrey marched with Jim Harbaugh. We want to play. We, oh, uh, Jim, I'm leaving. Like that was how that went. We want to play. You can play. I'm he leaving. Pulled, he pulled a Magic Johnson. He was in the meeting, but thinking he wasn't going to be there. So he's gone. I. I'm guessing that maybe he transferred because he actually wasn't going to be the starting quarterback. So that's a fair thing to assume. I want to talk about that because that affects how you think about Michigan and whether Michigan is the answer to this. So Nathan, you said, obviously Penn state, uh, by the way, Rashad Bateman wants back, as we said before, Minnesota, they're not playing Minnesota. Maybe they'll play Minnesota in the big 10 championship game. But so can we have, by the way, they did. Could they? They. 
They just opted sideways. They didn't really opt out. It's an unopt. You were sending your opt. They didn't go. I mean, like they, it's really, it is indicative of how the big 10 screwed this up so bad because they said, we're not playing in the fall. Guy said, I'm leaving. And then they said, we are playing in the fall. Now guys saying, I want to play. And it's not their fault because they were saying, if I don't, have any interest in a January or spring season, right? If you're not playing this fall, I'm done. And they said, we're done and we're not revisiting it. So they, the Big Ten really did jam up some of these guys. But as you said, Nathan, the Penn State game has been really close. I mean, like all the time. And I think, Nathan, your point, Stephen, your point about close Michigan games, even when Michigan's not that great. I just want to run through a couple of them. And as with everything, I draw the dividing line of this Ohio State era is when I started covering them. And if it happened before I started covering them, I have no interest in it. 2005, Michigan finishes seven and five. Ohio State wins 25-21. So that's a four-point game when Michigan's not that great. 2006 is the one versus two game. It's a three-point game, 42-39. 2012, Michigan finishes 8-5 and five in the year that Ohio State's undefeated in the regular seasons, 26-21. It's a five-point game. 2013, Michigan finishes 7-6. and six. They're terrible. Can't do anything offensively. That's the game where they go for two at the end to win it, and Tyvis Powell intercepts it. That's a one-point game, 42-41. And then we have the game that Stephen mentioned, the 30-27 overtime, miraculous, you know, whatever. JT Barrett ran into uh, what's-his-face's butt. 30, 27, and 2016. Michigan was good then. Michigan finishes 10 and 3. Michigan does not have to be great for this game to be close. So I'll stop talking so that Nathan can talk, but I do want to talk about Michigan's quarterback. My answer is the Michigan game. Partly because it's the Michigan game, partly because it's late in the year, and partly because this quarterback, the guy who is actually going to be the quarterback, intrigues me. Well, I mean, we can get into that pretty quickly. I mean, I also said the Michigan game, and I think it's not that I'm disrespecting Penn State. I still think year in and year out, that's the the program that has the closest talent collection to Ohio State. But right now, not knowing if Micah Parsons is going to play, and again, I know that Michigan has had some guys bouncing in and out of this, uh, whether they're going to be active or not scenario two not knowing if Micah Parsons is going to be there and you're getting him in the second week of the year that seems like you're getting a team that's going to have a lot more to figure out at that point of the season even though it's at home and again the home field advantage will be very different this year if it's really much of one at all Um, you're getting Penn State at a time where they probably got some more things to figure out than a Michigan team that you're facing in the at the end of a season when they've had all season to figure things out and become the the team that they are and have an identity so that was maybe the the main reason why I picked those two games I, I think it's a game that could be – now, do I still have some concerns about whether Michigan can hold Ohio State below, like, 65 points? Sure, I do. I think we all should. But I think it's also, as I think Doug's about to talk about, not with Milton or whoever, I think this is a team that's also shown an ability to put up some points, and I, I still have questions about this Ohio State defense. We talk all the time about how the Big Ten doesn't have any quarterbacks, right? They don't have any quarterbacks who can throw. And, I mean, you think about it some of the people Michigan's put out there as quarterbacks. I mean, like Shea Patterson turned out to be like. Not the number four player in the country. No, he was like 60% of Trace McSorley. I mean, like he was like a little, he was not a guy who scared you with his arm. Remember like John O'Corn was trying to do stuff for Michigan. Like it just, 
they have not had a history of guys. I mean, like Denard Robinson was scary and awesome, but he was, he was like Braxton. He wasn't going to beat you with his arm. So this Joe Milton kid who's from Orlando, who is going to be the starter now, he's 6'5", 243. And our friend Aaron McMahon from MLive.com, who was on this podcast when we did the Michigan Breakdown uh, this summer, did, had a nice story on Joe Milton that published on September 1st. You guys can go find it uh, on the Google machine. And he talked to the people that Joe Milton was working with this offseason. Joe Milton didn't go, didn't go home during all this stuff. He stayed in Michigan. He was working with the quarterback's coach in Michigan. And they were working on him, not trying to throw everything through a wall. He's this one of these guys. He reminds me a lot of Cardale, the way he's described. They talk about him as being able to throw it 75 yards in the air. They talk about him. Everything's a fastball, and they're trying to get him to throw different pitches and be able to throw different types of throws at the right time, right? Throw more catchable balls. He's not very accurate. They're working on his accuracy. But I don't know what that's going to look like, but I think – and I actually did not think of the Cardale comparison until it came out of my mouth. I don't want to scare Ohio State fans, but we saw what Cardale Jones did to Alabama. And I just wonder if there's any chance that Joe Milton could do that to Ohio State and just be this big physical guy who can throw it a mile, pulls it all together on a huge stage and lifts his program up. Now there's a lot of, you know, dissimilarities, but the kind of player, this is an upside guy. When you're 6'5", 243, and their big concern is stop throwing it so hard, that's an upside guy that Michigan has not had a quarterback. And listen, J.J. McCarthy's coming, and he'll be the quarterback soon, and he's an upside guy too. But I don't know. This sounds like more upside than Dylan McCaffrey. It's more upside, as it turns out, than Shea Patterson. So if that's where, if it's all together by week eight, I don't know. Maybe it's a game. That's all. Maybe it's a game. I'm intrigued by that guy. And maybe he'll have rough weeks and maybe Michigan will come in at four and three. But maybe on a single Saturday against a team with a lot of really good NFL players, this is a guy who's going to be able to chuck it deep, maybe able to run a little bit, and maybe he can give Ohio State some trouble. And that will be the thing. Does that allow Michigan to be able to put up points at the same pace that Ohio State does? Because – Michigan's been able to score. I mean, 27 points last year and 39 points the year before that. It's just they don't score at the same pace that Ohio State does. That's why they haven't been winning football. That's why they didn't win the last two years. And so just having a guy like Joe Milton as your quarterback who has a lot of those things you just explained, and and then Ryan Day's here. So they're going to continue to put up points. Can Michigan keep up, basically? That's what it's become now. It's less about can it stop Ohio State from getting points, but can it keep up enough that when it does get stops, they're meaningful stops? I would advise Michigan still to try to hold Ohio State to under 50. Well, yeah. I mean, that, that also helps 100%. But if you're – listen, if you hold them to 42 points, but, you know, you stop scoring at 28, I mean, it doesn't really do anything for you. So, it's a big – I think it's a mixture of both. And I think Joe Milton might allow them to do that. And, you know, if, if, if 52 to 38 is the final score, that's – that could be end up being the closest game on this schedule, right? Especially mm-hmm. considering what, what's yeah. in the middle of this schedule. Um, the fact that that game is played on December 12th and will presumably be outdoors, any kind of a factor in, in why that could end up being the closest game? That game's cold Hard anyway. So I don't – I mean, it's the last game of the year anyway, so it's usually cold. So I don't know. 
if that's any more of a factor than it wouldn't be any other year. I, I mean, if I was playing Ohio State, I'd want to slow him down, right? I mean, we we'll always yeah. say you get him in, you get him indoors in Indy, and that's not to any opponent's advantage. Um, but again, I don't, you know, can can Michigan take advantage of that? I, I guess, but that's the thing too. I mean, it's one of those. If it's in a snowstorm, I'd still take Ohio State. It's not like there's anything that like Michigan possesses that I would say. Well, then, oh, in a snowstorm, it's like, well, okay, then like Ryan Day is going to run the single wing with Justin Fields, and he's going to carry it thirty times for one hundred and ninety yards, and they'll win that way. So, I think it's an interesting point, Nathan. That I do. We have not seen the Big Ten play regular season Midwestern football into the middle of December ever. So that's going to be a new weather situation, and handling that is going to be something, maybe, right? So I, I, we don't know what, but it, I think it's you, – you, you raise a good point. Well, I wasn't the only one raising that point. There were many of our texters raising that point. We had – so we had several responses – that I didn't record because they were just like, no one, no one's going to be the closest game of the year. And I'm sorry, that's not how math works. If you, even if you think that Ohio State's going to win every game by 50 or more points, then the one that was only decided by 50 would be the closest game. So I appreciate your enthusiasm, <laughs> but that wasn't an answer to this market down Monday. Unless they beat everybody by the exact same amount of points, then somebody is a genius. That was not what they were insinuating. They <laughs> yeah, were not insinuating that. that every game would be 70 to 21 <laughs> and they'd all be exactly 49-point spreads. Um, the leading vote-getter here – so we all picked Michigan. All three of us picked Michigan. Uh, the, the Texters disagreed with us. They picked a different game by uh, almost two-thirds of the votes coming in picked a different game. We guess which one it is. Rutgers. <laughs> it is the Rutgers game, 65.8% of the vote. Um, pretty obvious why. I mean, I don't know that we really even have to go into I mean, they've played Ohio State the toughest. They have, um, you know, they're, they're the highest-ranked Big Ten team other than Ohio State going into the season, and that's pretty much an, an annual occurrence. Um, that's, I think, year in and year out, I think Ohio State fans expect that to be the closest game that they'll have to play, and no, no surprise to me that they thought so again this year. From the 419, closest game will definitely be Penn State, and I don't think that will be that close. Bucks by 10-plus at Penn State, which actually is pretty close. Home field will be a slight factor without fans just because of travel and routine. However, this will just be more of a benefit to Ohio State, who will have the much better talent than the team they play throughout the regular season. No whiteout on Halloween night in Happy Valley is a huge benefit to the Bucks. That's actually a really fun thing to think about. If this, if they were allowing fans, if it wasn't, if this wasn't a pandemic situation, if they had had the, if for some reason this game was being played on Halloween night in at Penn State, I think that would be an amazing atmosphere. I mean, it already is, but I think that would add something else to it, right? And it's unfortunate that as of right now, we're not as allowing any fans. As of right now, as of right now, they're as... not allowing. They're not selling tickets. And I also think that even if they relax that that standard not a full by stadium. going into the season, I don't know if it'll be completely opened up and have a full whiteout by then. You might be able to get some fans into the stadium. I don't know if it would be the whole thing full. No, no, no. I, certainly. I, I don't I – don't, they won't get to full capacity no. this year. I think they will get to some people in the stands for some games at some point. And um, it's going to be, that would be, I mean, that would make a difference, right? It's not going to shake, you're not going to um, shake the stadium to the ground, but I think some version of some amount of people 
would make some amount of difference possibly in that game. I think there's probably a number you have to get to before it actually makes a difference. Like if they have 8,000 people in the stands at Penn State, I don't know if that makes a difference. You'd have to get to a number before it was like loud enough or whatever that it would actually make a difference to me. Not um, to the whatever makes the snap count that much harder here. Honestly, I I don't know if you could get to that. I don't know if you. Yeah. Could, I mean, I think you'd have to have fifty thousand people to get yeah. to snap count. You're not territory. getting to that. So then I think, and I can't remember if it was the one I just read or somebody else said this too that like the, the, the there is some other home field advantage stuff that goes into it. One of you has to travel. You're out of your routine, all that stuff. But that's also something that teams do enough that I don't know if that alone makes it a, a game you would potentially lose. I think it's more about the atmosphere that gets created with the fans, with that whole, all those elements. So I, I don't really, I, I think this is a year where there's a sliver of, of home field advantage that you keep if there's no fans or, or limited fans. But for the most part, they're not neutral fields, but they're, they're, it's definitely not a game where you're like make, giving that other team very many points for being the home team. A lot of home field advantage is how people respond when you make game-changing momentum plays. And that's not going to be what Penn State's going to be able to do this year is have the crowd reacting to those type of plays that can swing momentum. So I kind of hate when people do this, but I'm going to do it anyway, um, which is like on a podcast to be like, I see what you're saying, but what if the exact opposite? <laughs> I do that all the time. What if – but like it's like – so I, I just want to say this. Ohio State, for instance. So some of the crappy teams – actually, I have another point I want to get to later. That I do think there's a fortuitous thing of scheduling that I forgot to mention. Sometimes crappy teams are used to playing in front of nobody. So when Ohio State went to Purdue in 2010 and 2009, 2009 and lost – nobody was there. And like the famous, like, like uh, it was close at halftime and they were like, come watch the game. And people started showing up. I, I wonder if it's possible that it could be to Ohio state's disadvantage. They like, I, they like being like gladiators going in. It's really hard to play in the whiteout. It's really hard to play at Wisconsin, but I think sometimes you feed off that you feed off the us against the world thing. Ohio state loves being us against the world. And I just wonder if for teams who are used to playing in front of nobody, when they're not playing Ohio State, usually the Ohio State is the biggest game on almost everybody's schedule. I just wonder if it's possible that like an empty stadium with no crowd in the wrong situation could actually lead to Ohio State like being flat. Maybe as they figure it out. Like I don't – Would you? I'm sure they'd say, well, we'd rather have nobody in the Penn State crowd than 105,000. We'll take zero. But I just wonder – I just wonder if they – if it might be hard because they – never play in empty stadiums. Other teams are more used to playing in front of small crowds. So not that it's going to lose them a game, but I'm a little curious to see if they maybe on certain weeks lack some of their juice. But the team who would be used to playing in front of nobody wouldn't be Penn State, though, in that situation. I mean, I don't know. I've been to Indiana once, so maybe it's Indiana then, but that's you know a home game, so that's not that. Maybe it's Maryland then. Maybe that team – gets to jump on Ohio State early in the first quarter and they put together a great first quarter because of that. It would because they're used to not necessarily playing in front of the crowds Ohio State is used to playing in front of. But I don't know if you throw Penn State in that category of teams that would be used to playing in front of nobody because they usually I mean that's a big 
people watch Penn State football. So maybe Maryland is a team who has a solid first quarter because they're used to this and Ohio State's not. Here's my other point I want to make. Yep. There's an election this football season, mm-hmm. one that um, people seem interested in, one that very likely will not be decided on election night. And I think uh, everybody who is reading about it needs to be prepared that it's not election night, it's election week. And we won't be knowing who the, the president is necessarily on Tuesday, November 3rd. Uh, the NCAA and programs have made a very big deal of, hey, like you, you're not, not going to have required activities on that Tuesday because we want all the, the athletes to be able to go vote. Um, and if this is a, if it winds up being as contentious of an election as some people think it might be, and an election that it potentially is drawn out for several days, um, I think everybody in America is going to lose focus, right? I mean, are we going to be locked in or doing our job when it's like, I wonder who the president's going to be? And it's a couple days and we don't know. And so if you're a football team, if you're the favored football team, that might be a weird week because it's going to be a weird week for everybody. And in the new schedule, the team that Ohio State plays in election week is Rutgers. So if you, if they were playing, not that, not that the other team would be less distracted, but if I'm a team, if I'm Indiana or Nebraska or somebody with a pulse who's trying to play Ohio State, even if I'm also distracted, I would rather play distracted Ohio State. If the choice is both teams locked in or both teams distracted, if I'm the underdog against the Buckeyes, I would take both teams distracted. And if it was the wrong opponent that week, I might be talking a lot about how Joe Biden and Donald Trump might end up costing Ohio State a game this year. But since it's Rutgers, I'm not. We're just never going to be able to shake how political this Big Ten season is. It's going to be political right down to whichever team makes the playoff or, or if no team makes yeah. the playoff. It's all going to be dragging back to, to, to something, I think, from uh, this political race. Politics, man. <laughs> actually, I, actually I find politics fascinating and I love politics, but just not on a sports podcast, as we've talked about many times. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, Penn State runaway winner um, or runaway – pick among our texters for what will be the closest game. There was a very tight race for the distant number two team. One team had 11.8% of the vote. One team had 10.5% of the vote. Who do you guys think the runner-up was, the distant runner-up? I'd say Michigan. Yeah, Michigan. You're right. Michigan was the second highest vote getter, 11.8%. I think it's interesting um, from the 440, don't laugh, but I think Michigan will be the toughest game and very possibly a loss for the Buckeyes. Michigan has everything to gain and nothing to lose but their pride. They have to be harboring smoldering anger from their lack of recent success and from all the bombastic put-downs they've been receiving from Buckeye fans. Certainly the Ohio State fans and maybe the team have become smug and no longer take Michigan seriously. Additionally, with either no crowd or a very small crowd, the home field advantage will be negated or at least minimized. This is from Jamie uh, Jamie from Canada in the 250. The game against TTUN will be the close game of the year. I think the weather will limit the passing game, which will make for more of a battle in the trenches. I still like OSU to win. I especially love their offensive line, but in a, in a, in a bad cold weather against a rival after playing seven straight weeks, that all adds up to a closer game than any other. So kind of, I think some of the same thoughts that we had as to why this could be a close game. Um, you know, throwing it, 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 all, all factors, weather, rivalry, all that stuff. Uh, and, and part of, part of me is also like, and we've talked about this before, we've done a whole podcast on it, but 
Michigan's just due to make one of these a game almost like it's not that easy. They can't just go out and, and it will just happen. But I don't know that these programs really are separated by like 40 or 50 points right now. It, it's gotta, it's gotta tighten up uh, even accidentally at some point. Yeah. It's just hard to pee. Like, you know, for anybody who's been around it for a while, it's like, you think, Oh, this is it. Well, yeah, you're right. I mean, you're right, Nathan. And it's this year. No, 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 no. It wasn't this year. Okay, well, it's this year. No, 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 it wasn't. And then you end up being like, oh, man, I've gotten the Ohio State-Michigan game wrong like six out of the last eight years because I keep thinking it's Michigan's year. So I think, I think there's a lot to that. It's just at some point you sort of try almost like stop – you almost like give up on trying to predict when it's going to happen. So those are really the only two games that I think there's a team that's within like four touchdowns of Ohio State. Our texters disagreed because um, the, the third highest vote getter – who do you guys think the third highest vote getter was? Nebraska in the opener. Yeah. Incorrect. The third highest vote getter was Michigan State. Really? I'll let a couple of our texters explain. Dave from Bristol, PA. The closest game will be a two-point win over Michigan State. There will be an unexpected snowstorm starting one minute into the first quarter with a lot of our players being from the south and never getting to play in the snow. They'll be completely distracted, making snow angels and having snowball fights on the sideline. Michigan State will use that to their advantage and work up a nine-point lead off three field goals. Um, it kind of goes on from there. So a, 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 a fun bit of fan fiction there. Um, uh, Ian from the 415, Sparty on the road the week prior to Michigan will be much tougher than it appears at first glance on schedule. I realize Sparty is breaking in a new coach and new quarterback after a chaotic offseason. If we played them week one, they'd be primed for beating, but that late in the season, they should be pretty comfortable with their new system and culture. Um, and from the 513, Ohio State's closest game of the season will be Michigan State. Yes, Michigan State. While Penn State is the best team they would play going to play in East Lansing in December is certainly a task. I see Penn State's offense putting up the most points out of anyone. The game in East Lansing will be 31-0, just barely edging out Penn State for the closest game of the season. So we've got some other answers like that, where I thought someone was making like a strong case, like this team's really going to give Ohio State a, a game. And then no, they're, they're still going to lose by five touchdowns. It's just going to be the, 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 it's going to be the closest five touchdown game that they play all season. I, I do think, so this brings up an interesting point this year though. I almost wonder if this year, is least likely to have a late season upset like that because I don't know that those teams have as much going for them late in the season. I mean, you could still have teams that would be clawing for, for bowl games and stuff or clawing for, I, we didn't, we just, this is such an unpredictable year. I don't know that I think those teams might have even less incentive late in the season to put up a fight in those games. Just a, a point that that Michigan state defensive end, Jacob, Panasiuk is one of the guys who's opting back in. So he was a, an important player for Michigan State that opted out. He's back. I think it's a good point, Nathan. And I was just thinking about no buys. It's going to take a toll on teams physically, whether that means injuries or whether that just means guys wearing down. But Ohio State has better depth than everybody. So again, it's like, well, Ohio State's going to wear down, but other teams are going to wear down more. But I do think it's possible by like week seven of the season for a team like Michigan State, with a new coach that, you know, they got a lot to fix. Um, they just might be, they might be worn down. They just might not even be able to, you know, the idea of, Hey, let's get up for Ohio state. They might not have anything left by that point in the season. So, so I, I would, I would lean more toward, uh, you know, uh, that a team like Michigan state and other teams would be what you're saying, Nathan, and just kind of sapped by, by that point. I think the, the, the eight games in eight weeks point is a, is a strong one. We look at that stretch of, of those five games as being 
potentially against bad opponents. It's also opponents that could be getting just really ground up and beat up in a way that Ohio State wouldn't be. And by the time they play Ohio State, they're really depleted. Right. And just, I mean, just at Ohio State, that Ohio State might be ground up, but just Ohio State, it's like if you have a four-star recruit get hurt, you replace them with another four-star recruit. Mm -hmm. Or if you're trying to keep a four-star recruit fresh, you rotate him with another four-star recruit so he doesn't get ground up. And it's just nobody else has that kind of depth. Smattering of votes sprinkled around here. Uh, Four for Nebraska, two for Indiana, two for Rutgers, actually. Uh, One of them just said Rutgers, which so that may have been a joke. But then our our buddy Josh Mustachio from the 614, the closest game will be Rutgers as the score will be 0-0, as I have a feeling the game will not be played. I'd be shocked if Rutgers plays more than four games this year. As for closest games, I believe it will be Illinois because of weather issues. Ohio State will just be trying to get back to Columbus with no injuries. And there was somebody else who actually voted for Illinois, too. Illinois being a bowl game, a bowl team last year. It's a game that's in Champaign. So it's plausible. But I I think all those games should be pretty easy wins for Ohio State. But we've talked about that, too, that, like, there's there's no guarantee that all these teams play all these games. Um, it could happen just on a week-by-week basis that a, a team has a, a, a testing spike that prevents them from playing, and that could happen to Ohio State, I suppose, as easy as it could happen to anybody. Um, or it could be a team that just packs it in, right, that they just say, man, we can't, we're done, we can't get this going, and, and we, we have to shut it down. Yeah, Rutgers – is Leader the, most, in the clubhouse for that, yeah. I would say, most, right? re, most reluctant program to play. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I, you don't want to make light of it, right? I mean, they're in a tough spot. They're in a tough right, spot. Right. Resources, and they're just in a part of the country where they got hit more. Mm-hmm. And so there's, some, there's, some, there's a lot of real things there. And, and also, like, Greg Schiano just might show up to his, like, Monday press conference the week of Ohio State and be like, testing spike, we're out. Like, oh, Greg, what were the numbers of the testing spikes? Like, oh, just, you know, just they spiked. This, the spikiness of the spike was just, we couldn't, or bye. It's, See you next which, week. Which almost makes the idea of them trying to do the whole, you know, 1v1, 2v2, 3v3. If you're, you know, at the bottom of that barrel, do you even want to play that game at that point? And I, but I do think the Big Ten phrased it as they will have the option. Yeah. Right. Didn't they really say that? Yes. Is yeah. the thing you can opt out I think, of well, the Big Ten. I think, I think Barry Alvarez not top three or maybe even four is probably opting out of that game. I think Barry Alvarez said that when he was on that Zoom call that it would be an option. I don't know if that's the way the Big Ten worded it in their official release, but I, I'm right now. I'm skeptical that all those games get played. Just all as a seven heads of up, those games. I, I don't think th- I don't think we said this already because it's our scheduled podcast. We haven't talked about this yet. Just as a heads up, based on our Cleveland.com preseason predictions from the Big Ten writers around the country, if we get that exactly right, which we never do, the matchups would be Ohio State, Wisconsin, and the Big Ten Championship, then Penn State, Minnesota, Michigan, Iowa, Indiana, Nebraska, Michigan State, Purdue, Maryland, Northwestern, and Rutgers, Illinois. And of those seven matchups, the only two that are on the schedule in the regular season are the bottom two. Maryland and Northwestern do play each other. And Rutgers and Illinois do play each other. But, I mean, that's, you know, that could be – I like it. I think it could be fun, you know, have Michigan and Iowa play each other. That's cool. You know, that's a cool third-place game if it winds up like that. I can already tell you that that, that, those, that will not be a correct prediction because Northwestern is going to do much better than that. Northwestern doesn't have to play Ohio State or Michigan or Penn State. Northwestern, who I picked to win the West, you mean? Yes. As the only person on the poll that picked Northwestern win the West? Yeah, I yes. think I agree. So I, I don't think that's going to happen. In fact, I think they're kind of a, a dark horse because if, if things get messy in the West, the one that has the easiest schedule might 
have some advantage there as long as they're not stubbing their toe against somebody else. Yeah. I mean, not, we made fun of people complaining about schedules. It's one of those things. We're not going to pretend that schedules don't matter. It, it helps Northwestern that they don't have to play those three teams, but also just like, just accept it. Sorry. Um, can I just say one thing that I wanted, I didn't bring up earlier and I just want to pound home the point that we started with on who the toughest opponent's going to be the last three games when Ohio state went to Penn state 2018, Ohio state had to rally to win by one 2016 Penn state won. 2014, Ohio State won in double overtime. Those are the last three trips to State College, and they are going to State College this year. So, like, oh, what's going to be – like, that's how close it is. Double overtime, loss, one-point win out of their butts because they figured out how to throw screens in the fourth quarter on a night when they could not move the ball at all. And Penn State does have some defensive talent. And so that – I mean, like, that obviously is – Micah Parsons or no Micah Parsons – that's still a really good, talented defense. They still have some dudes. I'm, I'm not sure about Sean Clifford early on, but just at, to pound home the idea, Penn State's obviously the second-best team talent-wise in the Big Ten, and that is a tough place to play no matter what. I think there are two games that Ohio State will definitely need Justin Fields and other important people on the field for all four quarters, and it's Penn State and Michigan. The others, I, I, I don't know right now. They, those could all be halftime blowouts. For sure. But what else is new? <laughs> Fair point. Anything else before we sign off from our triumphant return to Market Down Monday? So listen, we're going to get back. I think we're going to get back to the retalkables this week. As I understand it, we are going to start talking to players and assistant coaches probably this week, which means that we're going to be having some good football talk to bring you on this podcast and also to our tech subscribers at 614-350-3315. If you hung with us during the craziness and you wanted what we were, what we were hearing about the craziness, now we're back to football. Like we are really getting back to football and it's not going to be like usual. Um, it's going to be, I think like zoom calls and stuff, not in-person interviews, but we're going to be able to, we're going to start talking to the players and coaches that you care so much about. So I just want to thank everybody again. We had huge audiences on our two podcasts on Wednesday and Thursday about the big 10 coming back. Just really, really great to have that many listeners back with us and just really grateful that we've made it through. And again, we have never done five days a week of this podcast in a football season. And that is the plan. We are not backing down. This is a priority for us. I think we're not going to go quite as long. I think you might start getting some half hour podcasts, but you're going to learn daily about this team that you love. We're going to be with you constantly. We're going to talk to players and then we're going to get on a podcast and talk to you about what we learned from the players. So, Tell a friend, tell an enemy, tell a stranger. Let's get this Buckeye Talk audience to grow even more. And just again, thanks to, I can't believe what this has been like, that we started basically April 1st. We went from a once or twice a week podcast to a five days a week podcast. And here we are, there is a football season on the horizon. And I'm excited to talk about it with you too and have everybody else listen to us. Uh, while there's actual football going on. And for most of that five months, we had no actual football to talk about. 
We didn't even know there was going to be a season this yeah. fall. Yeah. Five how, months I, I, out of our butts. I literally don't know how we did this for six months. Almost. Well, we got here because of our readers and our texters, and we appreciate those of you who are signed up. 614-350-3315. A great time to try it out if you have I know we've said that before, but maybe not a better time to try this out. I mean, you've got – it's a two-week free trial. We're going to start learning things about the team, and that and you guys hear it first from the text. That's where it goes first. It's That's the immediate updates. When we learn important things about this team in the coming weeks, that's where it's going to go. When we're listening – when we're doing those Zoom calls – when we're finding out things behind the scenes, that's where we go first. So try it out. Well, it, it, we're growing an audience there too, and people seem to enjoy it, and we're glad that you're all aboard. So um, now I've got another task for this next week, which is to come up with another Market Down Monday. We're getting back into this routine. So thanks for joining us for this one. And that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.